What's up, folks? Welcome to another edition of Matt Sporthouse. I'm your host, Matthew Anderson. This is the College Football Playoff Edition, probably one of my favorite editions throughout this whole entire podcast series. But we're going to go ahead and jump right into it. Oklahoma is going to be highly motivated. They were already excited for this game because they probably feel as if nobody's really giving them the respect they deserve and that they barely belong in this playoff. Like they're like that odd ball out team that just happens to qualify. But then the LSU linebacker Patrick Queen went on in his interviews and said about the Sooners offense that the offensive line is not great, the running backs are not great, and so that we're going to dominate them. So at this point, they they have officially set the fire and it's time to get cracking. I cannot wait to get this thing started. I expect Kenneth Murray Jr. to have a huge game here. He's the Oklahoma linebacker, number nine, I'm not, if I'm not mistaken. He's the CEO of their defense. He'll be playing a chess match with Joe Burrow the whole entire game. If the Sooners want to win this game, they have to get C.D. Lamb involved, and he has to have a huge game. Jalen Hurts, in my opinion, will need to run for at least, at least 120 yards over, if possible, for the team to have that balance between the pass game and the run game. And he can't afford to have fumbles and turnovers because that gives the ball back to Joe Burrow with the opportunity to turn those uh, turnovers or into points. And that, that's exactly what the Tigers want, and the Sooners can't have that happen. Oklahoma will be without defense lineman Ronnie Perkins, running back Stevenson. I, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's Ramondre, but I'm not 100% sure about that. So we're going to say Stevenson and wide receiver Trajan Bridges. And they will, all miss, they will all miss the Peach Bowl. Perkins is the biggest name of the trio. The sophomore leads the teams in sacks with six and is second on the team with 13 and a half tackles for loss. This offense, I mean, the defensive line for Oklahoma doesn't get a lot of pressure. So the fact that he gets pressure and he'll be missing, I'm sure Lincoln Riley chewed him out about how selfish this was or if he, in fact, did whatever got him to not be able to play in this game because that's a big loss for them. Perkins is second on the team in quarterback hurries as well. So the Sooners defense will face Heisman, Heisman Trophy winner Joe Burrow and a prolific LSU passing attack without his best pass rusher. Now for the LSU side of things, the key for them is can Burrow keep the magic going, which he has all season against SEC defenses. And so I don't really expect him to fluster too much. And also can Delpit and this LSU defense neutralize Lincoln Riley's offense that has had all this time to prepare for this LSU defense. And if you give Lincoln Riley a lot of time, usually he could come up with a pretty good, I want to say antidote for whatever, for whoever he's facing. That is not, and it also this LSU defense has not been as great as we're used to seeing for LSU defenses. So it's like, okay, we might, so I'm sure Lincoln Riley's thinking we really might be able to score some points here and hopefully probably get into a shootout LSU will see if Clyde because right now he's questionable they'll see if Clyde Edwards Hilaire will be able to play after injuring his hamstring in bowl practice Hilaire has been a big part of LSU's record-setting offense this season rushing for 1,290 yards with 16 touchdowns the 5'8 junior from Baton Rouge also caught 50 passes for 399 yards and a touchdown and so he's been for that guy to be that small for him to be able to be all for him to obviously be able to run the ball well but but to be also be able to catch out the backfield has been huge for that offense he's a huge he's like I said before he's a major part of this offense and while I know LSU has a stable backs because you know they always do that's just what they do after LSU Think about it. You even go look Leonard Fournette and all the great ones that have come before him. There's nothing like having the chemistry of the guy that's been toting the load all season. Sometimes I'm sure him and Burrow don't even have to say anything. They know what they're doing just because they kind of fill each other out because they've been doing it all year since fall camp. Even last year, if you could say. 
I expect an LSU win in this game, but I think it's going to be much closer than what most are expecting. I really feel like Jalen Hurts is going to have this clutch, this clutch gene and try to do as much as he can to get his team this win. I expect him to have a huge game. I expect CeeDee Lamb to go out with a huge bang, but I do not think the Oklahoma will pull this one off. But it'll be a close game. I think a lot of people just wrote them off, and I disagree with that strongly. Now we're going to move to the to the Clemson versus Ohio State, which will be in the Fiesta Bowl. That game will be in Glendale or Arizona, 8 o'clock Eastern time. This game will be loaded with NFL talent all over the place. The matchup, I think to look forward in this game is going to be the Clemson offensive line versus the Ohio State defensive line. If Ohio State's defensive line, most notably Heisman Trophy candidate, Chase Young can get pressure early and often on Trevor Lawrence. I think it'll be a long day for the Tigers. But if Clemson's offensive line can protect him, you have to believe with how well Lawrence has been playing as of lately, he'll be able to distribute the ball to Justin Ross, T. Higgins, Amari Rogers. No, yeah, Amari Rogers. And the rest of the receivers, they have a lot of them. They have a big stable of them. But those are the most notable guys, especially Justin Ross and T. Higgins, who are the real tall, fast guys. I think both of them were four or five stars. Amari is two, but Amari is built more like a running back than a receiver. But he he recovered from a torn ACL in record time, and he's been a great player for the Tigers. He has also announced that he'll be returning next season. The Ohio State's defensive line is deep, experienced, and can get pressure without having to blitz, which is great because a lot of teams can't do that. They need to bring an extra guy to free somebody up. But these guys can just get after it. Larry Johnson, according to Shannon Sharp, is one of the best defensive line coaches in the game. So you could bet your last dollar he'll have his guys ready. He'll have them coached up, ready to go. Just think about it. Like the defensive linemen that have come out of Ohio State, this guy's coached them up, and, and they, for the most part, play well in big games. As Urban Meyer has said, neither team has seen a team as caliber of what they'll face tomorrow. And so it's going to be exciting to watch. Ohio State is 0-3 versus Clemson, like in school history. The two games I remember in this in this matchup, I guess you could say in history, is when Taj, Sammy, and Martavius Bryant, Taj Boyd, uh, beat Braxton Miller, Braxton Miller and Company in Miami in 2014 with a final score of 40 to 35. And then obviously the in 2016 where Deshaun Watson the Tigers beat uh Urban Meyer and his Ohio State Buckeyes 31 to nothing that was a shutout by the Tigers that rarely happens against Ohio State so I'm sure that that put a bad taste in the fans mouth I think Raekwon was the linebacker at that time for them too he was their their main guy the other game in this matchup in history was 17 to 15 win by Clemson in 1978 so that was before Clemson had that ring I think they won it at Clemson won a national championship the first one in 1981 so that was you know as you can tell that was a little while ago Justin Fields the Ohio State quarterback has said that his knee is 80 to 85 percent healthy so that probably means he's 70 percent because you know guys want to make it seem better than it actually is you know and then depending on your pain tolerance you might not even feel all of it but it could still be present it'll be interesting to see how much that affects his running ability which is a big part of his game Luckily, he's an excellent thrower of the football, regardless, throwing for 40 touchdowns and one interception this season. And then the and think just put this in perspective. He has one interception this season. I know it's a college to pro comparison, but James Winston has 28 interceptions. So do with that or what you must. Also, Justin Fields has the luxury because a lot of times uh, you'll see that the quarterback can't run. Sometimes the offenses can't move. But Ohio State has the luxury of having one of the best running backs in the country, J.K. Dobbins, behind Justin Fields. 
He is fifth in the country with 283 carries for 1,829 yards and 20 touchdowns, and he's averaging 6.5 yards per carry. If he's averaging 6.5 yards per carry, that means every two carries he's getting 13 yards on average. So there you go. He's pretty much getting a first down by himself every two plays. With that type of offensive output from the Buckeyes and the Clemson defense that features the Buckeyes Award winner Isaiah Simmons, this should be a great showdown. Look to see if they have Isaiah Simmons kind of spy Justin. I'm sure him, Justin, and uh, J.K. Dobbins will have a lot of collisions tomorrow. The Clemson's defensive line did take a step back this year, but the rest of Clemson's defense is elite. Clemson's defense is super diverse. This is something I noticed. They have the, the two white middle linebackers, one of which had the neck pads, so you know he's aggressive, and a white safety in the starting lineup, and brothers in all the other positions. So it's balling. They're just balling out there with that Clemson defense. And you like to see diversity like that. You don't see that too much. I remember whenever Penn State had a white safety, and Dion was like, and he was fast. Dion's like, oh, what's going on here? Some people in the media didn't like it. But nevertheless, Clemson has that diverse safety, uh, diverse defensive backfield in total, and they are all ballers. And by the way, I almost forgot to mention, Clemson running back isn't too shabby either. Either Travis Etienne has 182 carries on the year with 1,500 yards and 17 touchdowns, and he's averaging 8.2 yards per carry. So the amount of talent in this game is insane, and it should be an all-time classic. Some people are already trying to compare it to that Southern Cal-Texas game back in 2006 for a national championship where you have Vince Young and Reggie Bush. I wouldn't take it that far. We got to see how things play out. And by the way, with those stats for Travis Etienne, also consider he hasn't played at the end of most games. So he probably could very easily have 1,800 rush yards, probably 24 touchdowns, but Clemson blows out every team because the ACC has got to get it back together. But yeah, Dabble hasn't, for my prediction, Dabble hasn't lost to Ohio State yet. I don't expect him to tomorrow. However, if Ohio State can get pressure on Trevor Lawrence, don't be surprised if, if Ohio State gets the win. I'm sure Chris Carter will be out there. LeBron has already given the guy headphones, have given the Ohio State team's headphones. You know, he's from Ohio, so he's a big Ohio State fan. And uh, we're going to see what happens there in Arizona. Now we're going to go ahead and switch gears just for a couple seconds. Well, a couple minutes. Antonio Brown. So we're going to the NFL. Antonio Brown worked out with the Saints today to see if they want to bring him in on their roster. Can you imagine Antonio's production with Drew Brees at quarterback, Alvin Kamara in the backfield, and Michael Thomas, who leads the league with receptions with 145, 1,688 receiving yards? This could be huge and might be enough to get them past the 49ers in the NFC Championship game if things play out that way. But the Saints are doing their due diligence and doing checking around to see what's going on with Antonio. So there's no guarantee this happens. But if they all get on the same team, that offense will be prolific. It'd be interesting to see how Michael Thomas, though, handles not getting as many passes. I'm sure he'd probably appreciate it at some point because he's probably already getting double team and triple team. And they're still throwing it his way. And last but not least, Marshawn Lynch has rejoined the Seahawks, Seattle Seahawks, and because the Seahawks have lost their top three running backs for the rest of the season due to injuries. I expect them to use him on goal line situations because of his style of football, but that's about it. You know, he's a real aggressive. He likes to get those those a couple yards, those two, three-yard uh, runs on the goal line, get in the end zone. He'll make $60,588 in week 17 alone, which is more than the average person makes in a year. He probably will provide a spark for this. So, yeah, that's something to consider. Like, oh, he'll make all that in one game. Say football is a uh, very dangerous sport, but you get compensated in some cases. 
and he'll probably provide a spark for the Seahawks team and definitely for fan support because they'll remember his beast mode glory days and hopefully he'll help them make this run into the playoffs. I'm sure Russell Wilson would be happy to have him. He's one of the last members of that whole regime, whenever they're, you know, the 12th man and all that came with that, whenever they had Richard Sherman and all the other guys. But yeah, that's it for this edition of Bat Sporthouse. I will probably drop an episode after the playoff to kind of round it all up about what, what happened. Uh, well, actually, after these two games, so I'll probably be on Sunday. We'll drop another one to preview the national championship, one after the national championship. We'll take a little break there, and then season three will be more into basketball season. I'd probably say late January, early February. So that's what we have to look forward to. Thanks for continuing to tune in, uh, I'll, and I'll catch you probably on Sunday. Thanks for listening.